Welcome to the M&A Cornercast, a podcast focused on the world of mergers and acquisitions. Helping inform the business owners and advisors we work with every day. I'm your host, Chuck Dallas. I have more than 10 years of experience with mergers and acquisitions, both from a corporate perspective and as an outside advisor. With us today is Scott Bushke, the owner and managing director of Cornerstone Business Services. How are you doing today, Scott? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. We want to spend some time. I know you recently uh, put out a survey and it talked about what's important to you as a seller. So, Scott, can you give our listeners a little bit of an idea about this survey? Sure, Chuck. We constantly get asked by our potential clients and actual clients, what should I be thinking about? Or, you know, most people think, oh, if I'm selling my business, all I care about is how much money can I get? What's the most money I can get for my company? Because at the end of the day, those are the bragging rights. or that's what you're doing it for, you know, in most people's eyes when they start to think about it. But then when they really start to reflect on it, it really becomes more than just about the money. In fact, we've had I would say two out of five deals where someone will choose a lower offer than the higher offer just because it makes more sense. We're working on one right now where they took the second lowest or second highest offer, but it was a better cultural fit in this case. And they could roll over some equity because they wanted to get a second bite at the apple. And so what I created as I sat down and looked at the 10 most common kind of deal points that they should really be thinking about and created a little bit of a tool, a little bit of a survey. If anybody's listening, you know, if you want a copy of this, just email myself or Chuck at Cornerstone, and we're happy to send one of these surveys out to you and, and allow you to reflect on what's most important to you. So it's a simple tool. And what I'm going to do today, I think what makes sense is just kind of walk through what they are. So what I ask our potential clients or clients is to sit down and, and fill this out. And, and like I said, there's 10 different deal points and put a one by the most important, a two by the second most important, and so on. And when I first did this, uh, we created one similar to this, and I sent it out to one of our East Coast clients, and he sent it back and had nine ones and two twos, which was not exactly what we were looking for. It was supposed to be a, a one, a two, a three, all the way up to 10. And I called him and said, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, he's like, well, they're all important. I said, I know, but what you need to understand is that you're not going to win every point. You're not going to get neither the buyer nor the seller typically ever gets every point in a deal. So you need to really take the time to reflect what's most important for you as the seller. And the nice thing is there's no wrong answers. It's truly what you, your spouse, your deal team, you know, whoever you want to bring into this, that's what's important to you. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you can go out on your terms as best as possible. And if we can understand what's most important to you as your M&A advisor, it gives us a much better chance to very early on start negotiating in different ways to make sure that you get the most important items that are to you. We know what we can kind of give away if need be to give away a 10 to get a one, you know, or a a seven to get a two. And so that's what we want to do today. So the first one is highest overall value. And what that means is, again, I don't care how it's structured. I'll be creative in my structure. I just want to get the absolute most value for my business, the most money, whether some comes now and, you know, 60%, 70%, 80% come now and the balance comes over two, three, four, five years. I don't care what the structure looks like. I can be creative. I just want to have the highest dollar amount. No right or wrong to any of these. So that would be A. B is cash at close. Do you want $10 million cash at close and be done? Or do you want 13 million, eight or 9 million cash at close and the balance over three or four years? Some people go, you know, my mindset is when I'm done, I'm done. I just want it as much as possible cash at close. 
and I don't care about anything else. If I leave a little bit of money on the table, that's fine. I just want to have it as clean as possible. And those people will get 80, 90% cash at close. Maybe there's a small earnout or note, but insignificant. And then the business moves on. Right. Or they'll leave money on the table, like I said, and take 10 instead of 13, but it's all cash at close. The next one or C is transition time frame. So this one is interesting because some people go, man, I'm burnt out. It's mid-November and I'm looking out my window and it's snowing out. Those people might want to be like, I want to be in Florida right now. You know, I want to get out of here, Arizona, and I want to be in the warm weather. So I'm burnt out or I'm just tired. I don't want to stick around for a bunch of years. So they might look at someone that can, you know, maybe a more of a strategic buyer that can get them out in six months to a year or even less versus others that go, you know what? I love this company. I know it's a good time to sell so someone else could take it to the next level, but boy, I love what I do. I still got some gas in the tank. I would love to get a salary and benefits for the next three, four, five years and not have to touch my proceeds that I got from the sale. Those are very two very different things, but how important is that transition time frame? If you're like, oh, I could do either, no big deal. Well, then maybe it's not as high on your list. If you absolutely want one over the other, well, then this probably moves up on the list. I just did this for two different business owners, same company, and one had their transition time frame as a two, the other one had it as a three, and they both wanted one to three years. So they knew that, hey, I want to sell this business. I'm going to transition it to make sure that it gets to the next level with the right people, but I'm not sticking around for three or five years. We've put in our time. We want to make sure it gets to the next level as best as possible, but then we're out. So most likely uh, more of a 100% sale in that case with a transition probably makes more sense than for them to sell 70% of the company and then retain 30% for five, you know, five, six, seven years. That's just not what's important to them. Exactly. D or the next one is protect the employees. So this one comes up a lot, you know, like, Hey, I want to get a fair value, but I also want to take care of the people that took care of me or help me grow the company. So a lot of times you'll see this one being a little bit higher that maybe you won't get as high as a value because again, the more synergies, the higher the buyer can typically pay. And you know, the biggest synergy would be, and this doesn't happen too often at all in the low market, but you read about it is in the bigger deals where, okay, you know, our client's got a manufacturing company and they're doing 10 million in sales and they're a machine shop. Well, maybe there's a much larger machine shop doing 80 million in sales and they've got a bunch of capacity. They just added on their building. Well, they could take that business, pick up their customers and all of that cash flow and just drop it right in their facility. They don't need that seller's building. They don't need all that equipment. They already have all the same equipment. So in that case, they could pay more to the seller because think about all those expenses you've taken out. You've already got the employees there. You've already got the cost of the equipment there. You've already got all the utilities and costs for the building there. There's very little additional cost they're going to bring in. That's a lot. A lot of that money, that gross profit is going to drop right down to the bottom line. Sure. So they could pay more, but then all of those employees, 45 employees, that's 45 employees that may be out of a job after you know six months or a year of transition. And we've had some sellers go, hey, that's just how the game works. And other sellers go, you know what? I don't need that extra money. I'd rather get a fair price and protect my employees. If you care about your employees and you, and you want to protect them, uh, you move that one up higher on the list. I can tell you that with most of the deals that get done in the low middle market, especially in today's day and age, some of what they're buying is that human capital, those trained employees, that management team. You know, having a management team makes your company that's going to stick around after the sale makes your company so much more saleable and valuable. So most times there are very little layoffs or, or anybody get, gets fired. I would say the only thing would be sometimes if you have, you know, your accounting, there's a CFO or accounting person and, and some of those admin costs that are truly duplicates might get eliminated. But for the, for the most part, all the people on the shop floor, the management team, they're all going to have a job and, and stick around and have the same benefits and plan, if not better benefits with the larger, you know, larger company or, or P firm that takes, takes it over a family office. The next one E is equity rollover. So this is one where 
maybe I'm 58, 62, you know, 65, whatever it might be, could be 45. And I see this great opportunity in front of me, or I know it's a really good time to sell. It's like, boy, the market's really good right now. Our company's doing well. But you know what? I don't want to sell 100% of the company because I still got a lot of gas in the tank. I can stick around for another five, six, seven years. But boy, you know, I've got all my eggs in one basket right now. It probably makes sense to to diversify my assets a little bit. So I'm going to sell 70, 80% of my company and then keep 20 or 30% and roll it over into the new company. And now I've got a new partner with more growth capital and maybe a playbook on how to grow the company, how to put the infrastructure in place and really help me take this company to the next level. So I'm still involved. I still might be the, the CEO or whatever title I really want to have. You know, where, where were my passions? Were they more in sales? Was I the inventor? Was I the CEO? Doing what you do best. And then they help form a team around you to kind of fill in the holes. And in fact, we're doing this with a company right now where they're doing about 4 million in EBITDA and they've got a good management team, but it's a little thinner. So we've put some additional costs built into the Performa for a new CEO coming aboard and put in a controller and they're going to fill in the gaps of where they need help. Well, these guys know that they're going to basically get 80% bought out now and roll over 20%. And as they fill in these gaps and they continue to do more marketing and sales, they expect this company to, to grow significantly and they want a piece of that action down the road. So if they they go, boy, there's a huge opportunity in front of me. I want to get a piece of that action, but I know I can't get there myself. Right. This might be a great tool for them to say, okay, I'll take some chips off the table now. So if that doesn't work out or the world ends with everything we got going on right now, that's probably not too far from uh, you know reality here with COVID and everything else going on. But know that, hey, if, something, if I were to get hit by the proverbial bus, my family's taken care of. I've diversified my assets. I've got no debt and everything is is good. And obviously then the, the upside is is to have that 30, 20 or 30% be worth a lot of money and sometimes even more than the 70 or 80% was the first time around. Sure. F is, is legacy factor. You know, how much do you care if your name stays on the door? What happens if the company doesn't do well in three to five years ends up shutting down? Is that a big deal to you or do you not care? So, you know, what's the chance of that kind of best chance of success that they're going to do well? The legacy is going to be there. The name's going to stay out there. So it's going to be cornerstone for the foreseeable future. There's not a plan that after one to two years, it's changing over to uh, Chuck Enterprises or something along that line. So that's one right. that no dollars or cents tied to a lot of these, but it's a big deal for the seller and what they care about at the end of the day. G is closing date. You know, do you want to close sooner? Which company can close the soonest? You might have one that offers a lot more, but they might want to close in 90 to 120 days. We're working on a a transaction right now where they're actually going to close in 50 days. You know, we're going to get it done here by the end of the calendar year. And that was intriguing to our clients where, you know, some could do, some could close at the end of the year. Some thought it was going to push it into January. And with the election and Biden winning the election and everything else, uh, they didn't want to have to worry about any kind of retroactive taxes back to January 1 of 2021 or anything along that line. So that was a key factor and what they were looking for is driving that closing date to get it done. H is best chance to close. So again, you might have some offers out there that are really strong, but maybe they don't know the industry as well, or boy, their due diligence list is twice as long as the other buyers that are there, or they just seem to be tougher to please or whatever it may be. So that's going to be, you know, that's going to be an issue as well is what does that look like? Are these guys going to be easier to close or harder to close? And what we've seen is a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times it comes down to their culture. You know, culture is important as well. Kind of under legacy, I'd throw culture in there too, is how good of a fit is it? Do we get along or not personally? Do their cultures match up with our cultures? But here it's best chance to close. So a lot of times a strategic buyer who knows the industry and understands how accounting is done in this industry and how the operations work, they might be easier to close 
than uh, a private equity group that, you know, they've really got to check per their agreements with their investors, their partners, you know, they've got to check every single box and dot every I and cross every T to make sure that it's done the way that they said it was going to be done from a due diligence standpoint. So those may be a little bit tougher, you know, they're very methodical and they they don't have the emotion as many times as, uh, you know, or the excitement is some of the other buyers that are out there. Not always, yep. but it just, you know, just is the case we're working with them right now. That's more of an independent sponsor or family office. And they seem to be very excited, doing very well. They've been great to work with. And so far in the first seven days, absolutely everything that we thought they were going to be. And, you know, and that's where we were able to call their references to and talk with past sellers that they worked with and say, hey, how, how are these guys to work with? And do they change the culture or not? And that all falls into best chance of closing. Real estate. Do you own the real estate? Many of our sellers own the real estate in a separate LLC or business entity. Do you want to lease that long term? Do you want to sell it? Do you want to keep it and do something else with it? If you don't own the real estate, well, then this is an easy 10. You know, you can put that as a 10 because it doesn't make a difference. They're just going to assume your lease and move forward. But otherwise, some people have a, a strong opinion of they want to sell it and be done or heck no, I want to get, we call it mailbox money for the next, uh, you know, five, 10 years and then still have that asset to sell down the road. There's different thought patterns there. And then lastly, it's compensation for the role. So if you are going to stay on in in a role for more than a year, are you getting compensated correctly for it? Or is it just kind of part of the deal and you're getting minimal compensation? And just looking at that, so yeah, I want to be compensated fairly. If that's really important to you, then people will put that high on the list. If you go, hey, look, if I can get everything I want in the deal, I'll stick around for a year or two at minimal compensation or reasonable compensation. I don't need to be the highest paid executive as part of the team because it cuts both ways. The higher salary you want to take out of the business post-sale, that's less EBITDA or less cash flow the, the buyer has to pay off debt or invest back into the company. So that, you, know, you pro- might get a lower valuation, a little bit lower valuation, but you'll get more salary going forward. So it's again, it's do you want it up front? in valuation or do you want it over time? Obviously, if you're just looking at a, a shorter period of time, then that one probably is lower on the list. But you know, if you're going to be there for five or seven years, well, then you probably want to get compensated in today's world, especially with the benefits, have a good benefits program that you can look at. So those are the 10 areas that we really focus on. And you think it's pretty simple at, oh yeah, it's, you know, I know it's important to me, but we really challenge our sellers to really sit down with whoever their trusted advisor is or with their spouse or business partners and, and really reflect on this and think about it because what you don't want to have is where someone says, okay, yeah, no, I, yeah, I can stick around for five years. No big deal. You know, if that's what they need, no problem. And then you finally get to a buyer and you're right at the LOI stage or you're, you've got to sign LOI and you're moving through diligence. And all of a sudden you come back and say, Hey, you know what? I thought more about this and I will, I want to be out in six months. Different buyers have different kind of playbooks and the buyer that we might assign the LOI in was the one where they really wanted you to save for five years. So now if you, if you want to be out in six months, that buyer might walk away or, at best, it's a big surprise to them and they're going to have to either reposition how they structure it or gramble and try to find a CEO that they can backfill you know, your spot with or whatever it might be. So just, again, no right or wrong answers on any of this, but the more you know and the more you can tell your M&A advisor up front, the better chance you have of winning as many points as possible because you're not going to win every point. And the more that we can get the ones that are important to you, the more at the end of the day, we can get you to go out on your terms. And that's what's most important to us is maximizing what's important to you in the deal. Yeah, Scott, what a great tool for the M&A advisors out there. You've really hit the key points. And if it's ranked by the seller, we know exactly what is important to them. And we can concentrate on that, right? Correct. Good. Well, again, folks, Scott said it earlier in his presentation. If you'd like a copy of this survey on what's important to you as a seller, 
either contact Scott Bushke or Chuck Dallas at Cornerstone Business Services, and we gladly pass it on to you. Scott, thank you very much for being here today. We truly appreciate your insight. Sounds good, Chuck. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the M&A Cornercast. Hopefully we gave you some insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. We'll see you back again next Thursday with a brand new episode.